What's up, guys? Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. It's your weekend edition. We do not have any crazy Friday news dump like we did with David Njoku's contract last week. But this week, the only thing really on the Browns' radar is this comment from Rusty Harden, who is the attorney of Deshaun Watson, who made an unfortunate comment about the legality of uh, end of massage, happy endings, and that it's not illegal per se. I'm not here to get into that. There are plenty of smarter people on this topic who have written about it or discussed it. All I know is that it's a really strange thing for Rusty Harden to be out there publicly saying. It doesn't help Deshaun. I continue to say that the public discourse has moved in a very negative way from an already negative position to an even more negative position. It's really hard to see the NFL not going with at least half a season suspension at this point. It's very difficult to see. I just don't, at this point, understand how there's not a resolution, some sort of financial resolution. There's no criminal resolution for these victims or whatever for the allegations, but there has got to be something to be figured out here, like whether this something was done wrong. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. It, like Miles Garrett said, I wasn't in the room. I'm not judge, jury, executioner. I get it. But this lingering thing with, with continual pop-ups in the media, all before the suspension has even been announced, it, is, it has got to be wearing on Watson. The Browns have to be cognizant of it even more so than they should have already been. I'm sure they, they were prepared for things of this nature, but... I, I don't know. It's just it's crazy how this is going to go. You can see the writing on the wall of how this is going to continue to go. I don't know, man. It's just it's nauseating. It's really tough to cover this football team and have to continually talk about this stuff. It is uh it's it's really hard, man. It's really hard for everybody. Some people couldn't even stomach staying a fan. Some people are tired of hearing about it from the belief of Deshaun's side. It's just it's 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 not fun. It's not fun at all, and until there's some sort of resolution, whether it's a settlement or the or the trial happens, it's going to continue to be this sort of ugly thing. And and it, it's the trial seems to be very far off. A settlement solution could happen sooner. That's where I think Busby and his people want it to go. Watson doesn't want to admit guilt. I don't know. It's it's gross in terms of where it puts everybody involved and the situation for Watson. It's just terrible, man. So I, I don't know. I'm finger crossed in the next month or two we can see these things, both that case, the settlements or whatever it is, and the NFL make their decision and everybody can just move on because there's nowhere to go but to move on from all of this. It's just constantly the same discussion. So hopefully we see that uh, some traction in that direction or we'll continue to see comments like we saw from Rusty Harden and we'll have to say something every time it happens. Um, otherwise, really, we talked about Alex Mack with John Colosimo yesterday. Uh, Steve, uh, looks like actually uh, Mike Prefer was on recently talking about his special teams unit. He's really excited about it, talking about how the kicking situation and how they felt like Cade York's the only guy for the job. Really excited to see how Cade handles all the pressure. There's a lot of pressure being put on. Cade York getting a lot of pressure about him being the guy instantly, no competition, and David Bell continues to be propped up. I like David Bell, but man, the expectations for David Bell are getting a little dangerous. Starting to make me nervous about what people are expecting a, a late third round pick to do here, given what we know about him. And I think he's going to be fine, but there's just people that think he's going to go crazy. And maybe I'm wrong and maybe you can laugh at me in four or five months from now. But I just like temper the expectations a little, especially we're in OTAs, haven't seen even mini camp yet, let alone training camp and preseason games and all that stuff. But I understand people want to be excited. It's the nature of the offseason. Anyway, got a, uh, I think it's a pretty fun guest today. We got 
uh, Lance Reisland, who's, who does a great job uh, over at Cleveland.com in a role that I used to similarly do, uh, covering X's and O's on that side of things for them uh, before I you know, came over to the OBR full-time. And I think Lance is doing a really good job. Obviously, has a, a plethora of football experience as a coach and a player in the Northeast Ohio region, uh, has done a great job uh, coaching where he's been and playing and uh, back to his Kent State days and all that stuff too. So we want to talk Brown's scheme. Hopefully can get with Lance several more times throughout the year to talk about schematic things. We talk a lot about the quarterback and the evolving offense here in the defense. We get into a little bit of that as well. So let's get over to that interview with Lance right now. Quick little editor's note, guys. Uh, need to apologize ahead of time. My sound quality sucks on this one. When I brought Lance into the recording session, didn't double check to make sure my sure mic was connected. Instead, it played through my AirPod Max setup through my headphones Recorded through that, the, the sound quality sucks. A reminder, this is a very small-budget podcast that maybe you listen to every day is an important part of your life, but, you know, I'm, I'm a dad here who's got a family, and I only have so much time, and I could not re-record this thing, and I made a mistake. I apologize for that. There's nothing I can do from an editing perspective to make this sound less echoey and staticky on my end. I, I apologize for that, but I do really want to share this with you, so hopefully you can tolerate it. I apologize for that audio mistake. Let's get there now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, pretty pumped to bring in a guest I've been meaning to connect with. I I have been doing this stuff for three and a half years on, on, on Brown's Twitter, I guess, as a thing. And anytime I come across somebody who does X's and O's and is coached and does a great job with this stuff, I always love to connect with him. He's doing work at Cleveland.com now, has coached at Garfield Heights, among other places. Uh, coach Lance Reisland, coach, how are you, man? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I want to, uh, and I know we've been circling through some Twitter DMs trying to figure out a time that worked. I'm glad we could connect here. And and uh, luckily, luckily get some time with, uh, with uh, each other to to talk about how the Browns are going to be a little different this year, because I think they are. And I, th- I think the thing that I want to really pick your brain on is looking at what this offense is going to tweak uh, to, to really fit the quarterback that is coming into play here. So I am sure you have had varying levels of skill at quarterback through your career. And what you're trying to really do is accentuate the talent of what you have. Now that we know this offense, the quarterback collective wide zone stuff here, it's spread across the NFL like crazy. It is truly meant to make the game, as far as offense can go, as quarterback irrelevant as possible. But when you get a relevant quarterback, you do see some things differentiate. I always use the example, Lance, of, of uh, 
what Matt LaFleur has done with Aaron Rodgers and incorporating a lot of what Aaron loves into some of the basic principles of the offensive structure. And it really is a nice mesh point. Now I think Kevin Stefanski, who has had Kirk Cousins, who has had Baker Mayfield, both, I think, average NFL quarterbacks, but you get Deshaun, you get a bunch of elements you've never seen. So if you were in the shoes of Kevin Stefanski in this situation, what are some things you're trying to do to unlock him and really put the offense in the best place to succeed now that you have this quarterback with a bunch of added elements he brings to the table? Well, I think open lines of communication is going to be uh, – hopefully they've been doing that uh, already. Um, I think you have to uh, look at film and see what uh, Deshaun Watson does well, um, uh, what he did well when he was with uh, with, um, with Houston, and then kind of marry, marry that with what Stefanski does. Because as a coach, it still comes down to um, you gotta, you got to be able to coach what you know. Um, and a lot of those NFL schemes are, are the same. Going, you know, to, going to that, like, for example, that wide zone – uh, I see them setting up a little bit more maybe um, after that wide zone fake, uh, maybe uh, kicking out a guard occasionally to, uh, you know, create that pocket. Um, but you definitely have to use all the skills uh, in terms of his feet and his, and his arm. And for me, that's, that's his, uh, you know, his strengths are his, um, that he's a dual threat guy. Um, and that dual threat to me in the NFL is not necessarily the zone read and goal line runs, which he can do. But it's that crucial third medium, five to ten, um, that you get those big, uh, you know, those big conversions with his feet. Um, and then for me, it's uh, I've I've talked before about his uh, elite arm um, talent, and people always say he's not, you know, people think that, that he doesn't have a really strong arm, but I think he anticipates really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he understands defenses very well, and the ball comes out very well. So he does that very well. And then what I think he does the best, watch him on a film, he improvises very well. So um, I think you have to keep all that in mind uh, in terms of what Stefanski is going to do. Um, I still think, though, you know, I still think, you know, for you know, everybody's talking about Watson, but, you know, I think one of the things that's going to be really, really great for him is the fact that he has an outstanding running game and an off- outstanding offensive line. And as a former college quarterback, I will tell you that's going to be incredible for him. So he's going to have – um, you know, he's used to having, you know, two high hats all the time and people playing coverage. He's going to have some one high hats. He's going to have more man coverage. I think that he's seen before. Uh, I think he's going to see things that, um, you know, teams are going to have to still stop the run, um, against the Browns. So I think he's going to see some openings that he hasn't seen before. I, w- I would imagine that it'll be, uh, like you said, it'll tie together what he's done, what he's done well in Houston which they have done, if you go back, and I've spent a lot of time doing this, go back and watch Houston. They've done some of the traditional stuff. Now, although wide zone the things and the, and, the, and the branches off of that level boot concepts, three-tiered stuff, it's not just unique to that offense. What the what makes that offense really good is how well you, know, you, you develop the run game and you mirror the run and pass. It doesn't mean other offenses that don't usually lean on that stuff can't do similar pass concepts, similar boot concepts off of it. I think those things are what are going to draw at least everybody's eye early on. How often do they run the boot stuff? How often do they run set pocket off of wide zone like you're just talking about? I think I tweeted about the other day. I saw them run that and and, uh, and just I think they were just running an 11 on zero, probably just a skelly sort of session where they're just running through stuff up and down the field. And uh, what was interesting to me is is there, there are going to be little little wrinkles, right? I would imagine we see more RPO stuff 
because it's it's a way for them to use run game and pair it beautifully with a quarterback who can make quick decisions. And you talked about some of that stuff with arm talent. I think listeners of this podcast know how I feel about arm talent. It's not how far you can pro hop, gather, and chuck it. It's what you can do from different platforms. It's what you can do from different arm angles. It's what you can do with the tempo of a football, you know, taking a little bit off to drop it in between the safety and linebacker, taking a little bit off to be able to put the football over the curl flat defender or being able to rip it in a window. But it's different than just being able to drive the ball the time. It's nice to have that, as you know. It's nice to be able to drive the football at a ridiculous yeah. pace. I don't think Deshaun has an elite, elite arm. I mean, I've said this before. I think if you put Deshaun and Baker right next to each other and said, hey, crow hop and uh, quarterback challenge this thing and chuck it as far as you can throw it, I think Baker can throw it further. But the difference between Baker and Deshaun is that Baker has to use every fiber of his body to generate torque to create arm strength. Deshaun's a little bit more, as you said, when it's effortless with how he creates arm strength. And uh, I think that that works better at the NFL level. So the RPO stuff is fascinating to me. And another thing you and I, I think, had some discourse on Twitter back and forth on is a little bit of that pistol, right? Where, yeah. where they're running the pistol from, from uh, and I don't think it was anything all too serious. We, we can only get so much from these little clips we saw, but it was, I think, a quarterback accuracy drill. They're dropping off a play-action fake and throwing it into the net. Nothing crazy, but you do get an indication of what the daily work is. They look like they're running it from a pistol, just a tight – a tight pistol fake and then rolling off of it. I think there's a chance based on the uptick of a desire to run an RPO system because the RPO stuff is what Deshaun is really good at. There is a video out there uh, from, from NFL films did with him. I think it was, um, I can't remember Kurt Warner. And then, and then somebody else was with him. He was talking through how he deciphers RPOs and way Houston used them. And I think that that will be what he takes with him and what Kevin tries to incorporate more of for him. Mm-hmm. But with that, you need to be in the gun. And I think it's a beautiful mesh of being able to run some of what Kevin likes to run from under center, three-step to five-step drop step under center. You can run it from the shot and sorry, that sorry, that short pistol, still have your effective downhill path that Kareem and Nick like to run, and be able to pair some of that RPO stuff. So I was curious if you think that's going to be a high volume thing for them, or do you think we're going to see Kevin sort of stick to his gun and kind of run that? similar under center or shotgun thing, because I think the pistol stuff could be really good for them. Oh, I couldn't, uh, to be honest with you, uh, I couldn't agree with you more. I think the pistol is a fantastic hybrid uh, of what they want to do in terms of the downhill run, uh, the boot, uh, the true pocket stuff. Um, I think it's a a fantastic mesh. It gives you uh, kind of, when you talk about marrying two styles, uh, that kind of gives you the marrying of the two styles for me. Uh, it gives you, you can get into all that boot waggle stuff. You can get into all that, you know, all the level stuff. You can get into the crossing routes, those deep ends. Uh, uh, you can get into all that stuff, um, but still having those two, you know, stud tailbacks coming downhill and, and creating power run game. Um, and, and that pistol gives it to you. So, yeah, I couldn't, um, I think you're right on with that. The, the pistol for me is a um, is something that I'm looking forward to seeing them. Uh, well, if they do incorporate it, um, I think it's such a such a good good option for them. Yeah, I think so too. And then you can you can put David in some varying positions. You can put him as an H, an inline guy, mm-hmm. you know, you know, a, a true Y inline. You can put him as an H, or we used to call that a U back, a utility guy who can play in the yeah. slot or tight slot, bump around a little bit. I'm curious with these guys, do you think, you know, you're looking at, it's hard because we get singularly focused in on the Browns and don't necessarily have a league-wide scope sometimes, but 
the weapons that are here, Anthony, you know, Donovan obviously added David Bell. Now David getting paid like he's going to get an uptick in, in opportunity. Are you comfortable with what they have? Do you think they can incorporate enough different elements for these guys to be effective, to, to produce as a, a pass-catching group? Or do you have a little bit of hesitation about whether they can make this work and they're, they're taking a risk, maybe not signing a Will Fuller or somebody else? You know, I think the I think uh, with with Njoku being a the primary guy at tight end, he gives you another athletic guy. I think w- what you just said in terms of versatility, he can give you multiple looks, multiple formations, uh, both in the run and pass. Um, I think we've seen some you know some good things out of Jones in terms of the deep balls. Um, those deep balls seem to be um, he, he seems to get open Especially on the sideline. Yeah, He's so. You know, Schwartz is a guy that I would like to see more out of. Um, but again, you know, great quarterbacks make uh, average receivers or receivers who maybe aren't elite makes them a lot better. And let me ask you this. I don't want to interrupt you too, no, too no often here, but this is a great – the Schwartz thing is fascinating to me. I'm sure you've coached a guy. Maybe not the smoothest in and out of cuts. Mm-hmm. Maybe not the best in terms of intermediate shot, but he can burn. Mm-hmm. Is there – like, is there something you can do to unlock some of the stuff down at the shorter portions of the field or the four stuff? Or do you just say, hey, man, you are who you are. We're going to get you involved with some wrinkle stuff here and there, maybe some foot pass jet stuff, maybe a fly sweep if we're under center here. Maybe we can we can try to tag you on a Mills concept, something. Is it is it just he is who he is and you got to find a way to use him? Or do you think with Schwartz or a guy maybe you coach like that who's who's more runner than than, than skill set receiver? Do you think that you can figure something out for him, I guess, is my point? Or is it just, hey, this role of you've you got to run in a straight line and make it work is good enough for him? No, I think, you know, one thing that, you know, the Browns have had a lot of a lot of turnover in the last four to five years. So I think, you know, continuity is always the key in terms of um, offensive scheme. Those guys now are running routes they've run for a while. And I think when they when you practice the routes, you get better and better at it. And um when you get on the same page with a quarterback, you, you get better at it. So I, I think he's got um, some, I, I think he's got a lot more ability than just straight line speed uh, when you see some of his routes, but yes, I think you can incorporate uh, jets with him. I think you can get the ball in space to him. He's a classic uh, being three strong RPO guy, reading that two backer and running that quick, uh, that quick slant uh, there, you know, in terms of not having to run a, a detailed route. Um, to be honest, I don't really know um, if he can or can't run detailed stuff just because we haven't seen it from him. But I know now that he's now that it's the same offense, he's going to get better and better at it. He's going to uh, those outcuts and those digs and reading zone and reading man. And um, it's the same, pretty much the same scheme and how whatever they do with Watson in terms of being on the runner in the pocket, there's going to be a lot of the same schemes, you know, a lot of the same schemes in the NFL. Um, you know, you watch a lot of film yourself. A lot of schemes are very similar. You know, there's only so mm-hmm. many, there's only so many things you can design up in terms of, um, you know, who you're reading, high, low, ins and out, flat defenders, uh, you know, smash and crossers and things like that. So I think he's just going to get better at it. And uh, I think the tight end, Najoku, I think he's going to be really, really good. I think he's going to um, um, get a lot of touches. And I think he's going to be very good in terms of, of, uh, allowing the Browns to be multiple uh, with him in the game. Where are you using him? Are you putting him in the slot a lot, or do you like him in line kind of using? Because last year they gave a lot of targets to Hooper, obviously that shallow intermediate. Are you trying to push David more downfield, or are you trying to get him 
kind of one on one with backers making those sort of stick concepts, maybe some double moves like like a uh, you know just over route stuff. I, I'm curious what you think the best usage for him is to to really unlock 700, 800 yards in his portfolio. Well, I think, you know, once again, I think you look at the defenses you're playing. I think his flexibility and versatility give you a lot of options in terms of what you can do with him offensively. You know, you, you just think of that levels concept. Um, is he, you know, he could be the, the the top level, the mid level, or even the guy in the flat. Um, he is so, He's capable of doing all those things. And you kind of see what coverages are they running? Um, are they covering with the nickel? Or are they covering with a safety? Uh, are they putting a corner on him? Do they put a backer on him? You know, the, you know depending on how defenses try to play him um i think you can do different stuff with them you know if you're if you got a corner who's undersized um you can put him out at one and see what he can do out there you know i you see i saw a couple times last year where he was out you know in the red zone um i think what he does is he creates matchups and i think the uh the browns uh, are going to have to do a really good job of finding those matchups they want with him uh because i think he can play um in terms of uh, skill wise he can pretty much play across the board in terms of um, position wise. So I think they got to, um, just be flexible with him and, and, and find different and be creative with it, uh, how they get them, how uh, they get him the ball. Yeah. I think you can do a little bit of stuff at X too. If you keep it simple, you keep the route tree kind of vertical. Right. Don't ask him to do much other than, Hey man, go win a jump ball. He's got yep. a chance to do that. And, um, yeah, it should be, it should be fascinating to see how they use him this year, trying to go from 50 targets to 90 to hundred targets potentially mm-hmm. should be really interesting. Let's switch to defense. So, you know, in the NFL, first of all, it's fascinating. The Browns the Browns actually give us for the first time in forever three years of a system on both sides of the ball. I can't – I'm sure there are listeners to this that can tell us, hey, well, they actually did this in 2001. I don't know. I just can't tell you the last time I've noticed that they've given us three consecutive consistent years of schemes, and that's really, really important for not only what you said earlier, the players, but it is important for us, the, the losers who break this stuff down, who, who try to understand what they like to do. They're obviously hurting a defensive tackle. And I've heard people make the, the the idea that, hey, man, if you're encouraging teams to run the football on you, that's a win. And I understand that in the modern NFL. If Justin Herbert's handing the football off or Patrick Mahomes is handing the football off, it's a de facto win. Totally understand that. But if you're going to claim that the Browns have a bunch of pass rushers, you know, that to me is like, okay, th- these defensive tackles, I don't view them. I've, I've broken down many years. The only new one's Perry on Winfrey here. I've seen what Taven Bryan brings. I don't see a bunch of vicious pass rushers who can't play the run. I see kind of a bunch of guys who are pretty average. So you're trying to really generate pressure. I think the Browns got into pigeonholed situations at least early last year where Clowney and Miles were upfield winners and quarterbacks were having that easy step-up, step-out strategy. I mean, you know, it's pretty obvious when you're watching that the defensive tackles weren't able to disengage and be able to handle sort of playing quarterback quarterback leak. So to me, they were a bottom-of-the-NFL uh, pressure package team. They did not blitz much. I don't have it in front of me, but I think they were 29th in total pressure, and that's bringing five or more. Do you see an uptick in that coming this year because they have built a a really strong stable of defensive backs, and maybe they let JOK get a little crazy. Maybe they bring down Ronnie Harrison as a dimebacker and let him blitz more. I just I'm just curious if they evolve a little bit of that and try to generate pressure that that normally they wouldn't get with this four. Let's get a little more aggressive. Or do you think they once again hang back, play a lot of zone, and just kind of rely on those edge guys making up the difference? Well, you know, you went over all that. You know, you went, you had some really good points there in terms of how you create pressure. Um, obviously, they don't blitz a lot. They, uh, I think, uh, JOK can be a guy who could be very creative in his blitzes coming from different places because he can play in the box, outside the box, on the half. He can play a lot of different places. 
Um, you know, it seems like during the the offseason here and during the draft, they've added a lot of athletic bodies. So I think they can run some bodies at you in terms of freshness. Um, you know, that that's one thing I I think they're kind of I don't say they're counting on, but that's one thing that they have. They have they have some bodies. Um, I'm with you. The the Brian guy for me is a twitchy guy. He gets off the ball well. Um, but there's not a lot of uh, uh, guys who really want to stop the run in terms of just heavy, big. Like that's that was one of my uh, wants. I, I I love the Jones guy out of Connecticut. Just a heavy three technique who, who's tough to run on a first yeah. and second down. Um, but in terms of creating pressure, well, I you know they can bump those guys down now. Those young DNs can um, you know come along quickly. They can bump Clowney and, and uh, uh, Miles down inside occasionally. Uh, you know, on second down if they get a second and extended, you know, second and eight or above. Uh, you know, they can obviously they can bring pressure off the edge with uh, um, with JOK. I like the idea of putting Clowney and uh, Garrett on the same side, putting pressure on that guard and that guard and that tackle. Uh, making it hard to double the, uh, one of them. Uh, you know, I it, it's and you know, there's a lot to be said about keeping in front and rallying, making a tackle too. And and I've you know, I've had defense. I've been an offensive guy, and I've had defensive guys do it both ways. Um, I I do think they need to create a little bit more pressure. Um, I'm interested to see um, what their first down you know successes this year because I think that'll detail a lot. Because if you get second and long. Um, I think you're in pretty good shape in terms, like you said, the secondary is pretty good. The second level is pretty good. Uh, and then those DNs are pretty good. And, you know, if you can get them in a second long, everybody talks about third long, but if you can get them, if you can get them second uh, seven plus, I think they can be in pretty good shape. I, it's just, it's stopping that run and not being second, five, second, six. It's a, it's a whole different animal uh, call and play second, five, second, six, than it is second, nine, second, eight, you know, so. That's the truth. I, you know, I think once again, I, I think they're going to have to be more creative. Um, I think they have a lot of uh, a lot of faith in those DNs getting home, uh, even though they're chipped and and things like that. But uh, that secondary is very good. Um, you know, there's uh, I've seen a lot of gone a lot of clinics over the year, and there's a lot of people that talk about you know pass rushing to stop the run, and people in, in the idea of getting upfield, penetrating, getting in gaps, um, yeah. not too gapping. Um, they don't have a lot of those guys that can, it, it, to be honest with you, the inside that can two gap, uh, but they they have a lot of guys that can get on a shoulder and, and take a gap and, and stunt and angle and um, you know they can, you can angle some people. You can you can get them on the move a little bit more. Those D tackles because they're not two gappers. Um, I don't think any of them are really much two gappers, but they can move very well. Um, so I, yeah, it's going to be an, it's going to be a very interesting turn, uh, a very interesting call in terms of. Uh, on paper right now, our defensive tackles are the question mark of the defense. There's no question. Yeah, I wonder, I'm wondering how they do that because last year, I think, based on alignment data from Pro Football Focus, Clowney only had about 49 snaps, 50 snaps. They, they deemed things a little strange, uh, but they only had uh, snaps that were not deemed outside, so I guess true sevens. Uh, mm-hmm. Anything inside from A-gap out to kind of that 4-I, get about 50 snaps. Miles had about 75. I think we expected more. Maybe that's something they increase a little bit more of, putting Clowney and Miles inside, letting Isaiah Thomas, letting Winovich, uh, whoever else they end up deciding to keep. Uh, they could they could bring a little more edge pressure that way, but with some more interior consistency. I'm sure they're trying to map this out. I do think Joe Woods foundationally is, like you said, a, a funnel guy. He's going to try to funnel things into certain spots on the field, let his guys gang tackle that area, and try to get uh, get stops based on keeping things in front of them. They're, they're definitely preachy about – eliminating big plays. They don't like to take that risk. 
Mm-hmm. But in year three of a system where teams around the NFL have now scouted you for two years going into year three, I think that's something I'll be closely watching. I'm sure you'll be closely watching. And hopefully we can connect on at some point during the year is sort of just looking at how things oh, yeah, have evolved. Sure. How things have evolved for Deshaun and this offense and how Joe Woods is trying to sort of manipulate some tendency breakers because like we've talked about, and I've talked about John Stephenson, who's a coach here, works with us at the OBR, is is uh, the, the teams have started to really know what, what the Browns are doing, and now they have to figure out how to counterbalance some of those things. So, um, yeah, Lance, we'll love to have you back on, man, when the season starts and preseason and regular season to uh, to just sort of keep an eye on that and give perspectives, man. We really appreciate your time tonight. Absolutely. Anytime. Please let me know. I'd, I'd love to come on and talk with you guys. Awesome. All right, man. We appreciate it. Thanks again. We'll talk soon. Again, guys, sorry about that audio quality. Really try to always stay up to up to par on that, and unfortunately, just missed it. Don't know don't know how that happened. Usually, it defaults to the right setting, but it did not default to the right setting there, obviously. And I did not check, so apologies for that. Um, anyway, thanks to Lance for joining today's show. Appreciate you guys checking out the weekend content. Have another fun guest, I think, that will be on for your Sunday edition, a double weekend content as we. Uh, uh, try to try to make June and July as much fun for you as the listeners we possibly can. So a great guest lined up for tomorrow. Check that out. Great stuff going up at the OBR over the weekend. So you'll have some football content to read from your Browns from OBR writers. And then we got the Deshaun Watson stuff as far as breaking down the quarterback. That'll begin next Friday. So you should be keeping an eye out for that as well. Have a great Saturday, guys, or whenever you listen to this. Have a great day. Appreciate you checking it out. And go Browns. Go Browns.